Saul spent several days with the disciples in Damascus. At once, he began to preach in a synagogue that Jesus is the Son of God. All those who heard him were astonished and asked, "Isn't he the man who caused havoc in Jerusalem among those who call on his name? And hasn't he come here to take them as prisoners to the chief priests?" Yet Saul grew more and more powerful and baffled the Jews living in Damascus by proving that Jesus is the Messiah. After many days had gone by, there was a conspiracy among the Jews to kill him. But Saul learned of their plan. Day and night, they kept close watch on the city gates in order to kill him. But his followers took him by night and lowered him in a basket through an opening in the wall. When he came to Jerusalem, he tried to join the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he really was a disciple. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles. He told them how Saul, on his journey, had seen the Lord and that the Lord had spoken to him, and how in Damascus he had preached fearlessly in the name of Jesus. So Saul stayed with them and moved about freely in Jerusalem, speaking boldly in the name of the Lord. He talked and debated with the Hellenistic Jews, but they tried to kill him. When the believers learned of this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him off to Tarsus. Then, in the then, the church throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria enjoyed a time of peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit. It increased in numbers. Sometimes, as you read、uh, the story of God's people, there are. Characters that appear just very briefly, and yet they have a real impact in the story. And Barnabas is one of those people. I want to read some verses from chapter eleven.、It、said now those who had been scattered by the persecution in connection with Stephen travelled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, telling the message only to Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. News of this reached the ears of the church at Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad. And encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. People like Barnabas are in the Bible because God intends for their lives to give us inspiration and guidance. God intends for memory to be a, a gift of grace for us. Hebrews thirteen seven says, "Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their life and imitate their faith." Hebrews six twelve says, "Do not be sluggish, but imitators of those who, through faith and patience, inherit the promises." Now, when you go to Hebrews chapter eleven, it's just a whole chapter, which is why it's not up there because it's very long. A whole chapter. Of the story, little bits from the lives of men and women of faith through 
the years. The author of Hebrews was convinced that the dead can and will go on speaking for our encouragement as long as we take time to preserve their memory. So I want to look this morning um, at the root of Barnabas' goodness. Let's see uh, what the root of that is. Luke tells us that Barnabas was a good man. And I want to look at what made him good, at the root of that goodness, and how that might be produced in us. So the first thing is we have the goodness and fullness of the spirit and faith. There are two assertions in verse 24 about Barnabas. It says Barnabas was a good man and he was full of the Holy Spirit and faith. What's the connection? At the beginning of our Christian life, we receive the Holy Spirit when by faith we trust Jesus. And then as we continue in our Christian walk, we need always the ongoing presence and power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. One of the practical fruits or products of the Spirit-filled faith is goodness. The children were learning that that little song about the fruits of the Spirit. Um, You know, it's not a papaya, it is all these things. One of them is goodness. So when Luke says that Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, my understanding is that he, he had incredible faith in God and that by that faith, the Holy Spirit became powerful in his life and the result was the practical outworking of goodness towards other people. So what, what are the sort of characteristics of that? Well, the first thing is his empathy to outsiders. When Saul heads uh, for uh, Damascus and, and, and gets to, to Jerusalem, he finds there, uh, as we heard, everybody was frightened of him. I mean, if, you, if you're one of the early church, if you're one of the early Christians and you're in Jerusalem, and this guy whom you know has been going around the place persecuting the church... Suddenly he turns up at your door. Can I come in? And they go, "Uh, no. In a way that seems kind of reasonable. You you would want to make sure in that kind of context. Maybe they thought he was just putting on this faith in order to trap them. But there is one person who is willing to spend time with Saul to give him the benefit of the doubt. The one person who sees something in him that's worth pursuing. Now we don't know how long it took. But here is someone who has a gift of encouragement. Helping people in their walk with God. And as, as Catherine said, it, it was a gift that was so strong in him that they changed his name from Joseph to Barnabas, the son of encouragement. And he was able to bridge the gap between Saul and the believers. And then when we see the church growing among the non-Jewish people in Antioch, It's Barnabas who's told to go because he has experience of bringing people together. 
He is the encourager. He's the one they can trust. He's the one who will build up this new Gentile community of faith. How does that faith produce goodness? Well, I think part of the answer must be that faith feels the wonder of being accepted by God. You can accept other people when you know that you are loved. When you know that you have been saved by God's grace, when you have received from God, then you can trust other people. Then you can give them the benefit of the doubt. Then when you know that people have seen something in you and encouraged you, you can look to encourage other people. Barnabas knew that he didn't deserve God's favour. And yet through faith, he is able to have a relationship with God, to experience life in the Holy Spirit. He knew what it was like to be the outsider, but an outsider who had been brought into the family of God through faith. And he wanted other people to have that same experience. And then we see his submission to God's call through the church. Chapter 11, 22 says, they sent Barnabas to Antioch. And verse 23 begins with the words, when he arrived. Hey. Isn't that good? They sent him and didn't go, uh, oh, well, I've got loads of things to do. I'm busy that day. He went. There was a need. The church saw in Barnabas the necessary gifts. They sent him and he went. And that was it. In fact, you know, there's no evidence that he ever returned to Jerusalem to live. At the beginning of chapter 13, Barnabas is praying with some of the teachers in Antioch. And it happens again. The Spirit says, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. And you know, it's interesting that when they are called, it's Barnabas and Saul. But later on, it's always Saul and Barnabas. Because Barnabas didn't want the priority. He recognized in Saul this incredible gift of teaching and preaching. And he was willing to say, on you go, son. You get on with it, because that's what you do. And I'm here for you. They fasted, they prayed, they laid their hands on them, and they sent them off. And that was it. So the second feature of goodness I see in Barnabas was an extraordinary willingness to go wherever God said, go. And to take his cue from the leadership of the church. How does faith produce that kind of goodness? Well, I think faith banks everything on the promise that we find in Matthew 28, 19 and 20. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples and I will be with you to the end of the age. Barnabas knew that as long as he was obedient to Jesus' command to go and make disciples, he would be protected by Jesus. And so off he went. And then thirdly, we have his vision of God's grace in an imperfect church. You know, we have these letters to the New Testament churches because they were getting it wrong, by and large, apart from Thessalonians, uh, where Paul says, you're doing a great job. But generally, they were written because they were getting it wrong. You know, somehow, we, you know, when we think back, people have this, this thing, oh, the early church, we want to be like them. Well, they were stupid. You know, they were doing all the things that we do. They were getting it wrong. That's why we have these letters. To help us, as well as them, to know how to live for God. 
So he saw something in them though. It says when he arrived and he saw the evidence of the grace of God. He saw that in them. It's part of Barnabas' goodness that he had the ability when dealing with these new believers to see and to focus on evidence of God working in their lives. He wasn't concerned with the fact that they weren't Jewish. That comes in the big conference later. What he was concerned with is, is God at work in their lives? And he said, yes. Yes, he is. Why did his faith produce that kind of goodness? Because faith lives by grace. Faith spends its time looking for grace. Faith is a kind of homing device for grace. It's it's like a radar screen designed to pick up the slightest motion and movement of grace in the world. So Barnabas had the goodness of being able to see the grace of God in the imperfect lives of these Gentile believers because his faith was tuned in to the frequency of grace. And then we see his joy over God's grace in other people's lives. Verse 23 continues, when he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad. Faith not only sees grace, it delights in grace. Faith is not only like a homing device and radar that spots that grace in an instant, it's kind of like an addiction. The more you see grace and you taste grace and experience grace, the more of it you have. And when you get near it, you not only spot it, but you savor it and you rejoice over it in other people. And so the goodness of Barnabas was his readiness to rejoice over the grace of God that he saw in this young church in Antioch. He had experienced grace and he wanted other people to experience it too. And then he encouraged the believers to persevere. When he arrived and saw the evidence of the grace of God, he was glad and he encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all of their hearts. True encouragement is not about platitudes. It's good to say, well done. You know, but actually, if you're really encouraging somebody, it'll be all right. Well, mm, maybe not. Maybe yeah, maybe no. It's a bit more than that. It's not that we shouldn't say those things or do those things, but it's like, you know, when you're on the first tee and the hole is 500 yards away and everybody who's watching, particularly the Americans at the Ryder Cup, and they take the driver out and they they line up and they, they swing it. And what do they say? Get in the hole! Really? I mean, is that encouraging? Kind of. But is it reasonable and realistic? No. It's nonsense. So our encouragement has to be reasonable and realistic, positive. It's got to be helpful. It's about spending time with people, helping to build their faith, challenging them to do new things, picking them up when they fall. It's about experiencing grace together and supporting each other in the battle. It's about shared dependence on God and Barnabas gave of himself so that others would find life in all its fullness and we see his goodness in the living persevering reality of his own life and then we have his trustworthiness with other people's money chapter 11 29 and 30 says the disciples each according to his ability decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea and they did this and they sent their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. 
In Acts 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 36 and 37, we are told that Barnabas sold a field that he owned uh, and gave the money to the church. So he had shown them that he was generous with what he had. And he lived in a way that showed that he, he wasn't really overly concerned with money or things. He was willing to sell his land for the cause of the gospel. Money had no real hold over him. And so it's no surprise then that he and Saul are chosen to take the money to Jerusalem. He trusted God and not money to take care of his future. He was laying up treasure in heaven and not on earth. So in summary, Barnabas felt empathy for outsiders because he remembered what it was like to be accepted by God and wanted others to share that experience. He was prepared to go where God called him because he believed the promise, I will be with you always. Barnabas saw the grace of God in an imperfect church because faith has a homing device for grace. He rejoiced over the grace of God in the lives of others because faith not only sees but savors grace. Barnabas spent time encouraging others in their walk with God and sharing life with them. And finally, Barnabas was utterly trustworthy with other people's money because the power of greed had been broken by his faith in the love of a never-failing God. And therefore, with the writer to the Hebrews, I say this, consider the outcome of his life and imitate his faith. We need many, many Barnabases in the world. I want to just take a moment to think yourself about those people who did that for you. About those people who, you know, <laughs> thinks when you were young and stupid, you know, when, when I think back to when I was 17 or 18 and people gave me the opportunity to preach. And some of the things I said, do you know? And yet there were people who saw something in me, who encouraged me. And even now, some of the things I say, do you know? But there are people who see something and encourage me. There were people who thought it worthwhile to share Jesus with me. Who were those people for you? Who were those people who helped you in your walk with God? Who are those people even today who encourage you? Just take a moment to think about them. And let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for those people who have been to us a Barnabas. For those who introduced us to Jesus. For those who have brought challenge. Who have brought a word of encouragement. Who have shared your word with us who have seen something in us that maybe we even didn't see ourselves 
who have given us strength, who have brought light in the darkness. For those people who have prayed for us for years. Father, we thank you for them. We thank you for their love for you and their willingness to share that love and your grace with us. Who have persevered for us and with us. And Father, help us to be like that for other people. In Jesus' name. Amen.